Hey folks, thanks for tuning in again, or for the first time, to my silly little podcast, A Rock and Roll Rabbit Hole, where I ferret through my vinyl collection of about 500 records and my tiny brain of about 500 remaining brain cells and take a lighthearted, positive, fanboys look at my favourite songs and bits of songs and artists that fall within a different, pointless, set theme every episode, and I sometimes highlight some rock and roll bed shits just for some fun. It's really just an attempt to archive some stories, old YouTube interviews, and some great songs for like-minded rock music fans. Choosing from any song part or artist that has given me joy as a listener or a slight Norwegian wood as a musician. It's not a countdown, but I will leave my favourite choice for last. This is just a bit of laid-back, unnecessary fun that hopefully inspires someone to support a musician by buying some music or some merch, or listen to an old favourite album, and check out all this amazing shit that I adore, which has formed the soundtrack of my life. As a lot of people do like to share their opinions these days, please let me know if you think if I have missed anything in my record collection that I know and that I like by sending me an email at thisisnotarealemailaddress at gofeckyegoodself.cockgoblin.com. That's cock spelt with two Ks, and I'll get back to you as soon as I give a shit. But seriously, if you do want to say hi, you can hit me up and follow the podcast on Instagram and Facebook a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast or via the website a rock and roll rabbit hole.com that's com spelt with a c the website also has spotify playlist of all of the songs used in each episode past episodes as well and some other golden magic and i also have some small playlists of the great lesser known artists that i like to highlight at the end of each episode on the victims tab of the website Please rate, review, subscribe, and share the podcast. If you are digging it, that's super helpful and genuinely appreciated. Thanks again. Apologies in advance, and here goes. Thank you so much for listening again or for the first time and this is part two of rock mentions and apart from some dull stats we heard about brian adams here's what we got through Two, three o'clock, four o'clock, rock. One, two, and then rock. To the jail, I rock. Rockin' in Atlanta to the crocodile. Rock, rock the boat. I took rock the baby. How the fuck was that? Walk away, walk away. I wanna rock! Oh, rock and roll. Rock, 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 rock and roll. Dark is still rock and roll to me. Never have a rock and roll. I wanna rock with you. Rock, 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 rock
Let's start part two with a quick cool mention of rock by Rod Stewart. And I've always loved these two guitar solos and the last verse mentions a rock and roll band. Rock Show. The story behind The Rock Show is after the success of Enema of the State, we went in to start writing the next album, which became Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. And we were determined we were going to make this important, different record. We'd done all the poppy, sing along, silly stuff. This song was going to be post hardcore, post punk, darker, edgier. So we went in, we wrote this album demoed it our manager came in to listen to everything listen to it all and goes it's cool we were like what are you talking about this this is our art and he said well i mean the songs are great it's just there's none of that happy summertime you know go out with your friends and have a great time song and i was so mad and tom was so mad and we left the studio and just disgust went home 
I was like, fine, you want your happy summertime song? I'm gonna write you just the, I'm gonna write you that. And it became the rock show. Tom went home the same night, same energy, and wrote first date. So the first two singles that came off of Take Every Pants and Jacket, the rock show, and first date, written in anger at our manager. very recent good news in the Blink-182 camp. I'm really excited for it. And obviously, there's some massive news uh, uh, recently. Your former Blink-182 bandmate, Mark, announced that he's cancer-free. Uh, incredible news. Have you caught up with him? How's he doing? Is he okay? He's doing super good. He's healing. He's got, you know, a long journey of getting, you know, uh, his strength back. But I think, miraculously, to have all the cancer like gone from him, he was stage four. Yeah. And then it wasn't just remission. It was complete remission. So obviously he was emotional. I was emotional. Everyone's emotional. The fans are excited and happy. And um, I just think everyone's good energy is it really kind of cured him. So uh, this is, it's a big deal. We're, we're really excited for him. It really is amazing news. When you say the fans are excited and you're excited, does it make you feel like, oh man, this, this is a sign. We, we have to do some kind of reunion as a band. It's so funny, like, you know, Blink, it's like we're, we're there and then we're gone and then we're there and then we're gone. It's always, I feel like I'm always talking about like some kind of reunion. I mean, we always talk about playing together again. And I think that that's definitely something we're all interested in. Uh, finding, you know, the time to do it where it lines up with everybody's priorities um, is really all that's needed. And getting Mark healthy again, getting him yeah. strong again. Um, but yeah, no, I'm down. I think those guys are down. I think just finding the time to do it and when, you know, is, is really what we just got to figure out. Paul McCartney and Wings also have a song called Rock Show. a little bit of the cover version by Kiss. Speaking of Kiss, they are repeat offenders with 12 rock titled songs, including this pile of poop. Gave rock and roll to you. Can't get 
rock and roll to you. Keep rock and roll to everyone. God gave rock and roll to you was a cover released by a British band called Argent in 1973, and it was written by Ross Ballard. Ross Ballard also wrote this song that Kiss covered, which is a fair bit better in my opinion. And here's a bit of the original from a band called Hello from 1975. Kiss also covered another rock mentioning song that we listened to last week, and that was the Ramones song, Do You Remember Rock and Roll Radio? So I'm going to pop in two Kiss songs that mention rock. And the first one was written by Gene and Paul and released in October 1975 and made it to number 68 in the US. But a live version was also released in 1975. It was a double A-side single with the live version on one side and the studio track on the other side. And it was the band's first top 20 single, making it to number 12 in the US.
So Kiss had four other US top 20 singles in the 70s. Hard Luck Woman went to number 15 in 76. Calling Dr. Love, number 16 in 1976. I Was Made For Loving You went to number 11 in 1979. And Beth was their highest charting single in the US, reaching number seven also in 1976. And the B-side to Beth was the second rock mentioning tune that I'm going to pop in, and it's Detroit Rock City. And let's have a quick listen to Paul's demo. favorite songs from David Bowie is an unusual song that drops the word rock in the last chorus. The song is Changes and it was released in 1971. Here's a bit of the almost fully formed, slightly slower, no sax in the outro, demo of changes. sings the line, look out you rock and rollers in the demo. Show 
and you'll find that he fucking hates choirs. All changes are taking the pace I'm going through. Turn and face the strange. Look out, you rock and rollers. Hast kuk. And here's David Bowie in 1971 talking about name changes and how to pronounce his name. Some interesting things about you here. Did you know this? That your name was <laughs> David Robert Jones. Oh, but yeah. The Davy Jones of the Monkees claimed the name. Yeah. And you you became David Bowie. Where did you get that name? You just picked it up. Um, well, from the town and from the person. And it just sounded nice. And it's Scottish as well. And there was a knife involved. And it just sounded good. <laughs> well, Elton John, I was wondering if Elton John was here and referred to you as David Bowie. Mm -hmm. And we call you David Bowie. And, uh, and I think it is really Bowie. Well, I call it Bowie, but well, you, you know, it doesn't I, matter. I really think you're the, you're the authority on that, you know. Oh, well, Elton John, if you like. <laughs> yeah, well, Elton John is, is Reg Dwight, so what does he know, you know? Uh, yeah, gonna... I didn't know that. <laughs> you didn't? No. <laughs> yeah, his real name is Reg Reginald Dwight. Gosh, and he changed it to... Oh, and speaking of Elton John, we had Crocodile Rock in last week's episode, but he also has another rock mentioning song that I missed in the booze episodes, as it mentions beer and rock in the first verse. One more quick loose Elton John rock mentioning song is Rock It Man. And here's Elton in 1986 talking about how he and Bernie Torben write songs together. Well, Bernie and I have never co uh, collaborated on a song ever, you know? Um, no, I mean, no, the we've never been in the same room at the same the time. Same. Yeah, it's always worked like that. I, 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 it's extraordinary how it works, uh, but I don't question it anymore. Uh, it's, we've never, ever been in the same room and written a song together. It's always been like that, and it's always worked. And initially, Bernie wasn't a songwriter anyway. He was like a lyric writer, just like a, maybe a poet or something like that, mm. whatever. And, the, and he just used to write like like 12 lines of sort of like lyrics. There were no verse forms or anything. And I became expert you know, at cutting things out and, and shoving phrase, you know, being good on phrasing. And it's, it's something I thought about, and I don't question about it, but it works, and I don't know why, but it's, it's kind of magic. I think if we collaborated, we'd drive each other mad. Well, in taking nothing away from Bernie or any other lyricist that writes uh, songs, um, most people, I think, um, hear a song and it's the melody that catches, captures them, you know? So sometimes, I, I mean, I, I, when I listen to a record, I, I listen to the, the sound of the record, the groove and the melody. But you know, a lot of people listen to the lyric. I mean, I'm hopeless. I can't sing any pop song of the last five years 
I know well, I can't sing more than three lines. Mm. Uh, I'm hopeless on lyrics, but you'd be surprised. Most people catch on to lyrics because it means a lot to them, you know? And I've been in certain situations in my life when I've been down in the dumps, and yeah, certain lyrics have really got hold of me. And I think you're wrong there. I think a lot of people listen to lyrics and take li lyrics to heart, they identify with them. And a melody, I, because I'm a musician, I always go for the melody first. I'm talking about the initial thing, though. Yeah. I know, I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. know whether I agree with you on that. I think a lot of people take lyrics, you know? More, I mean, if the, if the tune's crap, but the lyrics mean something to people, they'd buy the record anyway. Right. I think people like to identify with the lyrics, and I think you'll find that, I think a lot of people, you'll be surprised how many people identify with the lyrics. I don't. I mean, I, in all fairness to Bernie, I'll say that. And until I did the Ray Cooper tour in 79, I never really got into his lyrics at all. Mm. Until I became a proper singer, or became, enjoyed singing. But um, you'd be surprised how many people like lyrics. My bags last night, free flight. Zero hour, 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high as a kite by then. I miss the earth so much, I miss my wife. It's lonely. Out in space on such a timeless flight. Quick rocket. And I guess if I can allow Rocket Man, I need to add Rocket Queen, my favourite Guns N' Roses song. Adriana Smith and Stephen Adler had dated about a year when she made a contribution to GNR's debut album. Her gift solidified the band's reputation in 1987 as the renegades of the strip. Something came up about girlfriend-boyfriendism. Stephen looked at me and he said, No, no, you're not my girlfriend. You're not my girlfriend. And I said, Oh, yeah? Adriana was pissed off and wanted to make Stephen jealous. So she headed right to the studio to hang out with Axel and Slash. We were mixing the album. And Axel comes in and he listens to the mix that we have. And he looks and he says, The song's not finished yet. Axel came and he laid his head on my lap and he got all serious. And he looked at me and he said, Adriana, you know, I want to talk to you about something that, that's very serious and very special and important to me and nobody else will do this. 
He basically says, I'm going to make you famous. I'm going to f*** you. I'm going to mic it up, and we're going to put it in the song, and it'll go into the history books kind of a thing. I was like, for the band. Sure, no problem for the band. And a bottle of Jack Daniels. I was kind of surprised because it was Steven's girlfriend. Her whole motto was for the band. I'm doing it for the band. He got this big beaten grin all over his face. And they mic'd the floor of this vocal booth and dimmed the lights. And we just got busy. She became the voice of the Rocket Queen. The Rocket Queen. That was that was Smith. She did the D.
And while we were on Guns N' Roses, they covered a Rose Tattoo song released in 1978 called Nice Boys, which also dropped some rock. Another rock mentioning song off the same album, which is Rose Tattoo's self-titled debut album, is called Rock and Roll Outlaw. D are also serial offenders, and this is Kickapoo, and we've already heard one rock drop, and there's seven others in the tune. You disobeyed my orders, son, why were you ever born? Your brother's ten times better than you, Jesus loves him more. This music that you play for us comes from the depths of hell. Rock and roll's the devil's work, he wants you. Dio, can you hear me? I am lost and so alone. I'm asking for your guidance. 
to come down from your throne. I need a tight compadre who will teach me how to rock. My father thinks you're evil, but man, he can suck a cock. Rock is not the devil's work, it's magical and rad. I'll never rock as long as I am stuck here with my dad. I hear you brave young jables, you are hungry for the rock. Face your inner demons, now go! Tenacious D's debut single from 2001 failed to chart in the US but got to number four out here in Australia. Tribute has a forceful rock drop over a great single snare that I missed in bonus episode number five. Tenacious D's Beazel Boss has eight rock drops. Make you his sex slave. 
you're gonna goggle mayonnaise. No. We know your weakness, our rocket stars. We rock the Casbah and blow your mind. We will defeat you for all mankind. You hold the scepter, we hold the key. You are the devil, we are the day. We are the day, 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 we are the day. I was six years old, I broke my leg And I was running from my brother and his friends And I may have mentioned this in an episode somewhere before But I actually do like this Ed Sheeran song, Castle on the Hill But it doesn't have the word rock in it Pretty sure it's been lifted from a Bon Jovi song that does mention rock in it and Let's just check out a few things here Ed Sheeran's intro Jovi's intro. Ed Sheeran's middle eight breakdown. One friend left to sell clothes. One works down by the coast. One had two kids but lives alone. One's brother overdosed. One's already on his second wife One's just barely getting by But these people raised me And I can't wait to go home And I'm on my way And the middle eight breakdown in Bon Jovi's rock mentioning Blood on Blood. Great singing from Richie Sambora. Bon Jovi are serial offenders too. Blood on Blood was taking off 1988's New Jersey, which went on to sell more than 18 million copies worldwide and topped the charts in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, Sweden, the UK and the US and went to number four in Norway. The New Jersey album was the first American album to be officially released in the then USSR through the state-owned label Melodia. And the album before New Jersey was a huge Slippery When Wet, which sold 28 million copies worldwide and topped the charts in Australia, Canada, Finland, New Zealand, Switzerland, the US, and also our beloved Norway. Fuck yeah. Slippery When Wet had two rock-mentioning songs. The opening track on the album, which is technically an organ piece called Pink Flamingos, which leads into Let It Rock. 
And the second rock mentioning song is the third single off Slippery When Wet. And it's the first song I learned to play on the guitar. And it's Wanted Dead or Alive. The single sold 4 million copies alone in the US in 1986. Just for fun, let's have a listen to Richie Tambora's backing vocals, starting from the rock line. This is Pink talking to John Bon Jovi. This, what was the inspiration behind the song Wanted Dead or Alive? Well, life on the road. You know, at that point, um, we were in well into our second album and we had toured the world both on the first and the second record. So you go from dreaming about what it's like to be on the road to actually doing it for a living. And then as an opening act, you were a nomad and, and you know, un, under the house rules of any and everyone else you're opening for. So, you know, you learned how to be a performer and you learned how to travel. And, uh, and so that's what the road was, was that was all about. So apart from the album sales of New Jersey and Slippery When Wet, 1992's Keep the Faith sold 12 million copies. 1995's These Days sold 10 million copies. And 2000's Crushed 11 million copies worldwide. Pretty good run, 14 years and 80 million albums. And we heard from the Rolling Stones in part one, but there's also a couple of great songs from the 70s that mention rock as well. So everyone knows this one, so I'm going to pop in a demo that I found that was recorded at Ronnie Wood's home studio in 1974, and it also features David Bowie on acoustic guitar.
And the opening track on the same album, which is 1974's It's Only Rock and Roll, is also a rock-mentioning song that I probably should have put in my Charlie Watts episode, so go back and have a listen to that, because it starts out mentioning the drummer, and it's If You Can't Rock Me. Richards played bass on If You Can't Rock Me. This is what happens when you give a bass to a guitarist. Mick Taylor solo. first single ever released by Van Halen that had keyboard on it was also a song that Eric Carr played a version of on his Kiss audition in 1980, and it's the rock titled Rock Mentioning and The Crater Will Rock. Some new sensation 
is on the brink of disaster, and the only thing standing between order and chaos is us. This movie was hilarious. Absolutely. <laughs> I had a smile on my face from beginning to end, and I was cracking up, especially during that that sex scene. <laughs> Guys, the love was, scene. The love scene, love sorry. Yes. Yeah, it was love making all the way yes, through. They love each other. When you conceptualized this idea, did you know that you were gonna take it this far, or did that happen when you started writing it? It always ends up, everything we do ends up being kind of filthy and what, you know. <laughs> we don't just think about it. We, we, we don't try. We don't try. We're trying to write a decent story about a guy who's, you know, who's going through all these emotions of <clears throat> being asked to serve his country and then all the, like, Gary's story. And it always just ends up that we just come up with filthy stuff. If someone stuff gave us $5 million dollars to write a beautiful, like, romantic drama, it would end up a filthy, offensive piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> the central conceit of the movie is that it's a Bruckheimer movie done with puppets. Could you guys have gotten away with uh, doing this film with real people? Well, first of all, the movie would have cost about $600 million to shoot. Right. It would go all around the world. <laughs> yeah. But the cool part is, is we would have been able to go to Cairo, we would have been able to go to Paris on location, Panama Canal, and instead we spent our entire summer in Culver City, California yeah. on a stage. The idea we had was not let's do a political thing about Team America, it was let's make a puppet movie, and then all the rest came up after that. Uh, off the topic, do you guys think that the general public in America cares about what actors think politically? I think that foolish ones do, and I think that, you know, but I think that the vast majority thinks like we do, which is like, will you please get off the news? I'm trying to get informed here. <laughs> you know, will you please not, not cut to Sean Penn? Now I want someone to tell me what's going on. I got you. Somebody who yeah. knows something. Yeah. America, fuck yeah, from Team America mentions rock and roll and books. Books makes me laugh every time. So a few rock mentioning songs we have heard in previous episodes. We heard the Skid Row bottle incident in episode 21's bass intros, and the song they were playing was the rock mentioning Piece of Me. Why don't you forget the moose for a moment?
heard this Aussie classic somewhere in episode 11 and 12's Bird Artists and Bird Songs. Episode seven's Cowbells from Hell had this one. We were at a party. Here love fell in the game. Someone reached in and grabbed it. And even this non-rock mentioning song that we heard in the Dire Straits episode has the occasional rock mention when sung live. When people go, oh, what's the best thing about Oasis? It was just getting that chance to record our album because we knew we weren't going to fuck it up. We were ripping, man. So we've been to Mono Valley, recorded what we thought was a great album. Everybody else surrounding the band kept chanting this mantra, oh, it doesn't sound like they do live, it doesn't sound like they do live. And I'm like, well, who does it fucking sound like? Spandau Ballet. said to Noel Gallagher, it's no good enough. I knew what Oasis should sound like because I've seen it live and I just knew the performances were wrong. At one point, he was so frustrated by the whole thing, he went, look, why don't we just put it out and we'll get it right in the second album? And I went, you'll never get to the second album. It was not happening. The pressure was definitely on. I phoned up Marcus one Saturday morning. I really trust Mark Coyle to make it. I do, I do. Well, he just knows, yep. you know? He'll fucking take the sound of things, do you know what I mean? You know? Yeah. No, I was like, oh, look, fucking hell, it's done, you know? Let's move on, let's move on. Yeah. He just wants to get on with it and finish it. Yeah. I'd be interested to know why they took that risk, just putting me in charge of that. No track record whatsoever. The thinking is, who does the live sound? Mark does. So let's go do it live. Time for plan B on Definitely Maybe. Thank God for that, you know, because we all knew that Coyley understood it. He got us. He always made a sound how we should sound. We hit upon this system in the sawmills. Everything was crowded around the drum kit. we just do three takes of each song and then move on. I would have thought that album was recorded in three days maximum. But started mixing and didn't really sound very good. I think at that stage, I took it as far as I could. I do remember taking a cassette, the final mix that we did with Mark to McGee's flat, and sensing that he was completely underwhelmed by it, and me thinking, oh, fuck it, I, I give up. 
Marcus announces that he's going to get Owen Morris to do a mix on spec. Marcus got me in because I don't think he knew anybody else. So I was very lucky to be in the right place. And I'm thinking, well, what has he done? You know, I don't get it. He did one mix and it was just outrageous. That's when I met Liam. You know, I told him he sounded like John Lennon. He's like, you got it. And like one in the afternoon, Liam lead vocal, rock and roll star. definitely maybe went on to sell over 8 million copies worldwide and before I wrap it up here here's some honourable rock mentions you're a rock and roll suicide So before I get to my favourite rock mentioning song, I like to add a story about one of the songs or artists in the episode, and this week's story is about Guns N' Roses, Rose Tattoo, and the rock mentioning song, Nice Boys. And here's Angry Anderson from Rose Tattoo telling the story to Dean Del Rey. Let's talk a little bit about Nice Boys and uh, GNR recording that and stuff. Did, did that put a blast in your pocket or... or... No, not really. Um, it's had nothing to do with them. Uh, it came up in conversation, obviously, many years later about what happened. And um, they used to cover a lot of our songs live. When I say a lot, I mean, you know, half a dozen. They even used to play Butcher at one stage, apparently. Right. But um, this is when they were very young and they were, they were looking for their own sound and stuff. And uh, Anyway, Nice Boys um, and a couple of other of those songs like Astral Wally and Suicide City um, suited them, you know, so they used to play them. But um, so they recorded because Nice Boys became such a favourite in their early set with the with their audiences. 
Um, and, uh, you know, um, they used to sort of say, oh, you know, this is a song by an Australian band, blah, blah, blah. But that sort of, I suppose, once they started to get very popular, it fell by the wayside. But when they came to do the live album, they included it because it was such a popular live song. Now, the, the record company, this is according to the boys in the band, the record company went ahead and, uh, as record companies will, yeah. um, they went ahead and just sort of said, well, all songs by Guns N' Roses. So that's how it became known as a Guns N' Roses song. So years later when it came to Albert's attention that they covered a, a Rose Tat song but we didn't get a credit, let alone any money, um, so Albert's contacted the record company and said, look, you know, the boys need credit and they need to be paid. Um, so the record company, I can't even remember what label it was, to tell you the truth. Geffen. Geffen, yeah. They came back and said, righto, um, here's an offer. And uh, Albert's quite rightfully said, well, you know, we don't want an offer to settle. Um, you know, you've got to pay royalties. And um, they said, well, it's complicated because it's now registered as a Guns N' Roses song. So there'll be a lengthy court case, so we'll see you in court. So I think I think that's a simplistic version of what happened because what happened was that um, Albus accepted the payout on our behalf. So it's not an ongoing thing. Right, gotcha. So I don't know how many um, – I was told years ago um, by a mate of mine who lives in – well, he's American um, – that that album still sells to this day. Very, very popular album. So we, we don't get royalties for them. So before I get to my favourite rock mentioning song, let's just quickly recap the magic. It'll probably come as no surprise to you and after spending 10 minutes discussing it on the phone in which that time he could have done it but thinks it's better that I waste my time recording yet another fucking track just so he doesn't have to do anything so yeah you guess it this week there'll be no recapping the magic so my favourite rock mentioning song is a super influential band's only top 10 single in the US and was released in 1982 and the song also made it to number 3 out here in Australia The album it was off made it to number five in New Zealand, number two in the UK, number seven in the US, number nine in Sweden, number seven in Norway. And here's Jack Black to introduce the song.
of the band's biggest chart hit with drummer Topper Heaton's Rock the Casbah. Topper had this riff, apparently he'd had it for years. I, I wasn't aware of that, but he can play the piano great in the key of D. And he's a good bass player too, as well as a shit-hot drummer. And so he just came in and he banged down Rock the Casbah in about 20 minutes. He played the drum track alone in the studio, thinking it in his mind what was going to happen on top. Bass, ran over the bass, all without coming out of the studio. Boom, 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 boom. Ran over the piano. Ding, ding, boom, boom, boom. And like, it had, in about 20 minutes, it sounded like something already, because it was piano, bass, and drums. You wrote Rock the Casper, Joe wrote the words, but you wrote the melody as well. Yeah. I wrote the backing piano, the piano, and the, the intro, and the bass, and the drums. I yeah. wrote the, the music behind it, but Joe yeah. went into the toilets and, and he, started, and he came up with the words, and obviously then just sang them to the backing track. So. Great, great. That's how the melody was kind of developed. Yeah. So as always, thanks again for listening, and thanks to Dave Brick, Nathan Hunt, Ross Hetherington, Glenn Howard, and Chris Dash for some good vibes this week. And check out the website for all the past episodes, and please rate, subscribe, share, review the podcast if you're digging it. And if you think that I've missed any rock mentioning songs or got anything wrong in this episode, you can shoot me an email at I won't read your email at cause I don't care.cockoblin forward slash Norway horsecock. Hast cute. And I'll get back to you as soon as I give a shit. And you can say hi on Instagram or Facebook, a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast. And I'm down to my last thousand or so sticker or pick packs. If anyone's keen, hit me up and I'll post them out to you no matter where you are. And to finish up our rock mentioning double episode, I'm going to pop in a lesser known band of legends from Melbourne. And you can check out the victims tab of the website, a rock and roll rabbit hole podcast.com to hear more of their music. The rock mentioning song is rock and roll people, the band of the bits. Thanks again. And I'll see ya.